The following is a sermon that was preached at Faith Lutheran Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia. For more information about our church or to hear past sermons from Faith Lutheran, visit georgiafaith.com. Thank you for listening. In the name of Jesus, amen. In the house that my brother and I grew up in, there was one place that neither of us would go voluntarily. We called it the dark part. What the dark part was, was a section of our basement that was unfinished where our parents would store tools or paint, anything that wasn't really fit for the garage, but also really wasn't fit for guests to see. The worst part about the dark part was the light switch. It wasn't on the wall like you might expect. It was tucked up against the ceiling. So it wasn't until I was around 12 years old that I could actually turn the light on. So when my parents would send me on a quest to delve into the dark part and retrieve for them some artifact, more than likely a screwdriver, I would approach the dark part with trepidation, take a deep breath, and sprint as fast as I could running into the dark part, grabbing whatever they needed, and sprinting back out, hoping that whatever was lurking in the dark part wouldn't be faster than I was. Some people don't drive in the dark. Some people don't go for walks at night. Some people might have a dark part equivalent in their house. Whatever it is, add darkness to any situation, and it immediately becomes more dangerous, more uncertain, more foreign. And God feels the same way about darkness. After all, what was the first thing he created? Light. Even in the first moments of creation, God was showing us his style, his picture. Where he was and where he acted, there would be light. And because God's people were walking with him, he called this light good. And it manifested itself in perfection and holiness and bliss. But this good light lasted only only moments. When sin entered the world, it was as if someone flipped the switch. The world was doused in darkness, but it wasn't just physical darkness, no. It was spiritual darkness. And just as our world changes when darkness falls, so too the once perfectly very good world experienced some very dramatic changes when spiritual darkness fell. Animals that once lived in harmony with one another were now using each other as food. Relationships became rocky, labor became burdensome, and even the joy of bringing a new life into this world was now laced with suffering. Every child that was meant to be one more ray of that perfectly good light was now just one more layer of darkness, one more casualty of Adam and Eve's sin, one more reminder that God and man were now separate. And where God's people used to walk with God, Well, they now stumbled around in the darkness, chasing after their own desires, their own whims, doing as they saw fit, feeling their way through the darkness all the way to hell. 
and real monsters lived in this darkness. The once very good world was now the domain for sin, death, and the devil. Though spiritual darkness had fallen, the good light was not completely extinguished. Fractured rays of this good light were spread across time, reaching even back to the Garden of Eden. And this good light was hated by most and embraced by few. Those who had grown used to the darkness, who had even found pleasure in the darkness, hated this good light because it revealed that their deeds were evil. It showed them that there was a God with absolute moral standards and that they hadn't lived up to those moral standards. It reminded them that they needed a Savior and also told them that a Savior was coming. And it was because of this coming Savior that some embraced the light. Every light has a source. But these fractured rays of the good light, you could not see the source until one night when darkness seemed at its peak, the source appeared. He was small, but the light he cast was immense. He was like a candle flickering in an otherwise unlit room. He was completely different than his surroundings. He was light in the midst of darkness. He was sinless in a sinful world. He was life among those destined for death. He is God with us. The Word who became flesh, who decided to dwell in our darkness rather than leave us wallowing alone. And the light that shone from him was powerful enough to reach even back to the Garden of Eden. And though he was born well separated from the fall into sin, even still, his light led Adam and Eve to long for the manger. And though we are well separated from Jesus' birth today, the light that shines from him is powerful enough to reach us even here in our sanctuary this morning on this Christmas morning. The good light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This baby, this source, we go back to the manger, and we see him lying there, our Savior, the good light, who saves us from all of our sins. That good light who reaches us even here in our sanctuary leads us back to see sleepy-eyed shepherds train their necks to see if the angel's words could really be true. To the manger where God decided to lay his son, his only son, for the first time. And by that manger, there are presents. But they're not addressed to the baby. They're gifts from God addressed to you. To you who look at that manger and see your Savior lying there. To you on whom God has shown the light of light and you haven't shrunk back. You haven't pulled away. No, you follow it and you embrace it. To you, God gives a gift. The right to be called children. 
but children that are completely different from this world, children that this world could not begin to imagine, children as different from this world as Jesus is different from the darkness. God has shown his light of life on you. He has chosen you to be his children. And just as Jesus was not born from two human parents or from desire or a husband's will, so too you are not children of God because of desire or decision or lineage. No, you are born of God because God chose you. But the arrival of the good light, the arrival of the source, didn't go unnoticed. Ever since the fall, darkness had done its best to snuff out the good light wherever it could. But when the true light appeared, darkness knew what it had to do. It had to get rid of him. It started with Herod, a king who the wise men unknowingly aggravated against the light. And though many babies died at the evil king's hand as he tried to kill the one born in Bethlehem, even then, the light was not overcome. Jesus still shone. Next, it was Satan himself, who came to Jesus as he was starving and dehydrated in the wilderness. And though he tried every trick in the book, every tactic that had worked on mankind since the beginning of time, even then, the light was not overcome. Jesus still shone. Next, it was the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus felt the full weight of what it meant to suffer wrath from God. And though he prayed to his Father, Father, if it is possible, take this cup away from me. Even then, the light was not overcome. Jesus still shone. Even before Pilate, when darkness thought it had finally done it, as darkness watched the true light walk away, carrying a cross to the place called the skull, even in death, the light was not overcome. Jesus still shone. It wasn't until Easter morning that a victor was crowned in the war between darkness and light. The death that darkness thought was its greatest victory the death that darkness thought snuffed out the good light for good turned out to be its own death, its own undoing. When Jesus rose from the dead, he conquered darkness once for all. He shows himself as the true light who gives light to all mankind. Jesus was never bested. He was never overwhelmed. He never met his match. He remains the unconquerable light. And we are his church. We gather together this morning as those on whom God has shown the light of life. We gather together this Christmas morning as those whom God has made his children. And even though it might seem at times that darkness is falling rapidly all around us, even though it might seem that darkness is threatening to overwhelm and extinguish the light, do not be afraid. How can the church be conquered?
if Jesus wasn't conquered? How can we be overcome if Jesus wasn't overcome? Look in that manger and realize that darkness lost to a baby. That baby, the true life who gives life to all mankind, God in the flesh, darkness lost to Jesus, your brother, your master, your friend, the one who holds the church in the palm of his hands, who guards it and protects it until the day when the new day dawns, when the morning star rises in our hearts, when there will be no longer any sun because Jesus is the light of his people. Even now, Jesus still shines. And we, we are the church of the unconquerable light. Amen.